So we've been uh, kind of working out of this book to guide our sermons lately. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, so we did the creation. Uh, we did Noah. And then last week we did the Tower of Babel. Um, so this week, and I'm just going to read it. We got Son of Laughter. God's special promise to Abraham from Genesis 12 through 21. Um, Years passed, so this is, we're picking up after the Tower of Babel. So years passed and things didn't get any better. People were still just as cruel and mean to one another. They still got sick and died. God's world was still full of tears. It was never meant to be like this, but God was getting ready to do something about it. He was going to make all the wrong things right. And he was going to do it through a family. (coughs) Abraham, God said, how many stars are there? God was about to tell his friend a wonderful secret. Let me see, Abraham said, rolling up his sleeves. But have you ever tried counting stars? Then you know how hard it is. 993, 994, 997. Oh, no, wait. Okay, one, two. Of course he kept losing count. Too many, he said. Guess what, God laughed. I will give you so many children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, you won't be able to count them either. Abraham couldn't help giggling at such a wonderful idea, but he stopped himself. How could he have a family? Don't be silly. He didn't have any children, let alone grandchildren. He wiped away a tear. Anyway, it was far too late for him to start having babies at his age. He was 99 years old. What could God mean? Abraham, God said, believe me. And then God told Abraham his secret rescue plan. Abraham, I will make your family very big, God promised, until one day your family will come to number more than even all the stars in the sky. Abraham looked up at the dark night sky, thick with stars. You will be my special family, my people, and through you everyone on earth will be blessed. It was an incredible promise. God was going to rescue the world through Abraham's family. One of his great, great, great grandchildren would be the child, the promised one, the rescuer. But it's too wonderful, Abraham said. How can it be true? Is anything too good to be true, God asked? Is anything too wonderful for me? So Abraham trusted what God said more than what his eyes could see. And he believed Now, when Abraham's wife, Sarah, heard God's promise, she just laughed to herself. But it wasn't a happy laugh. laugh. It had tears in it. She'd always wanted a baby. Could her dream come true? Could she really have a baby when she was 90 years old? No, of course not. Don't be silly. It was far too late. Sarah didn't believe God could do what he promised. She had forgotten that when God says something, it's as good as done. Of course, it was easy for God to give her a baby son. It was as easy for God to give her a baby son 
as it was for him to make all the stars in the sky. Sure enough, nine months later, just as God had promised, Sarah gave birth to a baby boy. They named him Isaac, which means son of laughter. And Sarah laughed, but this time it was a glorious, happy laugh. Her dream had come true. God would do as he promised. He would always look after Abraham's family, his special people. And one day, God would send another baby, a baby promised to a girl who didn't even have a husband. But this baby would bring laughter to the whole world. This baby would be everyone's dream come true. All right, so we're going to jump into this story a little more in depth tonight. But that's the Jesus Storybook Bible version. Um, Yeah, so we got like nine chapters to try to get through. So we're not going to do that. Um, We're just going to pick a few things here and there, kind of go through it. Um, Yeah, and we'll talk about kind of some of the other things that went on. So we'll start here in Genesis 12. This is where the story of Abraham picks up. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is the beginning of our story. And we don't know a whole lot about Abraham before this. Um, All of a sudden, there's a guy named Abram, Abraham. He becomes Abraham later. And God talks to him and says, go to this place where I want you to go. And verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Um, God said, go, and he went. Uh, Do you guys do that? I don't. Um, Not super good at that. Um, Moving on with the story, so we're going to jump to Genesis 15. Uh, And again, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, 
so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So I'll go back. So again, I underline verse 6. Abram got this vision from God that said, go do this thing. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Um, hearing from God can be weird and scary sometimes. Um, so do we, do we always believe what we hear? I don't know. Um, keep going. Next verse eight. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land. From the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Um, so God appeared to Abram a couple times now and told him a couple things. Go to this land that I will give you. Um, your offspring will number more than the stars in the sky. And then he says, the land where I've told you to go, I will also give to you and to your offspring. Um, but there will be some trouble kind of in there. Um, and Abraham believed God up until this point and did the things that God asked him. But then this part at the end, which is kind of weird, um, he brought some animals, cut them in half, and then a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And that was God establishing, establishing his covenant with Abraham. It's basically just a way for God to say even more so, like, hey, I told you to do these things, you did these things. And now because of this covenant, these things are true and you can trust them, and it is like a binding agreement between God and Abraham now. And God will keep his word, I mean, almost like if Abraham doesn't even. Like, it's, uh, covenant is just the most binding of agreements. Um, 
there's a lot more to talk about there. If you want to know, come ask me. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to keep moving through the story. Um, so then we get to Genesis 17. Um, God also said to Abraham, so now we, we skipped a little bit. God has changed Abraham's, Abram's name to Abraham, um, which basically just means father, uh, adding the ham in there, basically. Uh, God also said to Abraham, so uh, I won't make that joke. All right. As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. Um, Yeah, and then... so So... God's been talking to Abraham kind of this whole time. And then in 18, um, well, yeah, anyway, he talks to Sarah or Sarah and Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So both of them, when God told them, I'm going to give you a child, fell down and started laughing. Um, So that's hence the name why he was given the name Isaac, which means son of laughter. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and wouldn't you, if you were 99, 90 years old and God said, hey, you're going to have a kid, um, I don't know, I might scream. (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know what son of scream translates to, but. So then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Uh, Sounds like a married couple to me. Um, Yeah, we'll keep going, and I'll come back around and fill in some holes here. So we get to Genesis 21. Um, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter 
and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So that's that's the story of the of the book that we read, and that's the, the biblical portion of that. There's some other crazy stuff that kind of happened in here. Um, it's not super important to this story that we're telling, but just so that you're aware. Um, so yeah, uh, at some point, God had given them this promise that they would have a child. Well, he gave Abraham. So Sarah got impatient because she didn't know what was going on. So she said, hey, um, I can't bear you a children, but you should go and be with my maid and have a child with her so that at least we can have some offspring. So um, Abraham went and did that with Hagar, and he bore a son named Ishmael, who was 13 at the time Isaac was born. Um, So 13 years earlier, they had gotten impatient and were trying to, you know, it's weird. There's a lot of back and forth in this whole passage. Like, God, you know, Abraham did what God said, but then got impatient and slept with another woman so he could have a, have a son. Um, then there's some weirdness in here of they had to go to Egypt and I, Abraham was like, I'm going to tell everybody that you're my sister and not my wife because you're very pretty and no one will believe that you're my wife and that'll, that'll go better for us. And he did that twice. Um, and it got him into trouble both times, like, um, and got other people in trouble too. So I, I, give all the backstory to just say, you know, like these are genuinely human people who make stupid decisions as well as also people who try to worship God and make good decisions. Um, in also in the middle of this story is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know that story, lot was Abraham's nephew. Um, so all this stuff is happening. Like God is doing stuff here and they're still screwing it up like they're seeing god do create i mean even just like oh i'm gonna cut some animals in half and then a blazing torch just suddenly appears out of thin air and passes between them like uh that would get your attention i don't know get my attention um so yeah uh, there's a, it's just such a weird story, and it's way too long to try to cover tonight. But that's why we're just focusing on the story of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah about them having their own son in Isaac. Um, <clears throat> I've, uh, there's a book from Eugene Peterson called Run with the Horses. Uh, And there was this quote in there that I thought was really interesting that says, one of the first things that strikes us about the men and women in Scripture is that they were disappointingly non-heroic. So it's kind of funny. We talk about these people as heroes now, heroes of the faith. But you read their story, and if you take it, if this were to happen today, 
like we'd be like those people are messed up like uh they're crazy and they're doing weird things uh and so but today we're like yeah abraham father abraham had many sons um and i mean it's this is a crazy story like even if you just took one part of this like them bearing children at 100 years old uh that's crazy um <clears throat> Um, so yeah, uh, go to the next slide. So then we jump to Hebrews and again, they're disappointingly non-heroic. They're regular people who are trying to follow God and screwing things up. But then in Hebrews, then, you know, we kind of go the other direction and they're listed as heroes of the faith because of their faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So, yeah. Um... So, yeah, I like that description of disappointingly non-heroic. Because um, what that does is it kind of, when we, when we talk about Bible stories, all too often we talk about the people in the, Bible, in the Bible story and kind of what they did. And even if they gave glory to God, we talk about what they did and what... I want to do is to switch that to what God did in them. And that's what I like about this Jesus storybook Bible is it kind of points people that direction. Um, I mean, I read this to my kids and it's, it's cool. Um, there's a guy, um, he's an old punk rocker, Christian punk rocker guy. His name's Alan Aguirre. He was in a band back in the day called The Scattered Few. Um, if any of you are familiar with that. He's an interesting guy. He's a weird guy. But he told this story on his blog or his, I don't know, something. I read it somewhere one time. Uh, and it was basically like they lived in Dallas, he and his wife and his kids, um, and his wife had a dream one night, and in the dream, she saw this house, this barn, this thing. She didn't know what it was. And in the dream, God said, you're going to live there. And she was like, okay, cool. So she woke up, and she told Alan about it, and they were like, huh, okay, weird. Like, they didn't have much else to go on. You know, it was just this beautiful barn and this 
against the mountains in this beautiful place. And they were like, we live in Texas. That is not anywhere in Texas. Um, and so it was like a short time later, they were on vacation and they had gone to Park City, Utah to visit some friends. And they're driving up the road into Park City, Utah. And she starts freaking out in the car. And she's like, that's the house. That's the place. And he's like, what? She's like, pull over, pull over, pull over. That's the place. So they pulled over to the side of the road. And she's like, that's the barn that I saw in my dream. And he was like, okay. And God told you we're going to live there? She's like, I don't know. That's what the dream said. Like, So they were like, okay. So they... I, I, this is interesting. I like this part. So they took a picture of it. They took a picture of this barn. And when they got back home to Dallas, they framed it and they put it on their mantle just so they could say, hey, this is a promise that God gave us. And they prayed over it. They prayed for it. They got discouraged by it, by seeing it every day all these different emotions that they went through. And, you know, 18 years went by. And they had kind of just stopped praying for it as much, stopped paying attention to it. It just became a picture on the mantle of just a barn in Utah. Um, And then they got a call one day uh, from a friend of theirs who lived there and was like, hey, Um, we have a house for you and we want you to move here and to do your ministry here in Park City, Utah. So they packed up 20 some odd years worth of stuff living in Dallas, Texas and moved to Park City, Utah where God had given them this vision 18 plus years earlier. Um, So that's a just more recent kind of practical story of how God has done something. Um, So to finish this out here, I'm just going to end with three questions. The first question is, has God told you something? For some of you, that voice could be God saying, I am real. For some of you, that could be go. Do something. For some of you, that could be wait. I'm doing something. Think think about that. Has God told you something? Is there something that you know that was from God that was telling you something that He wants for your life? Second question Did you believe Him? Or was it too crazy? God, I'm a hundred years old. I can't have a baby. Um, God, I don't really like Christians. So you might be real, but I can't hang out with you. That's too weird. Um, I don't like your people. Um, God, I can't sell everything I have and go do this crazy thing that you want me to do. 
that's just stupid. Um, maybe even simpler. God, I can't talk to that person at work because they will think I'm uncool. Uh, I don't know. Third question. Are you still waiting? Or have you given up? Because it's not happening quickly. Was there something that God told you maybe years ago and you just gave up on it because you're like, I'm, I can't wait around for this. This is dumb. Um, I know many people around here and people who have come through these doors at SCUM who have had crazy intimate encounters with God and then a few years later have just walked away because of whatever. And I'm like, you had a real encounter with God. And how are you able to walk away from that? But maybe they got disappointed. Maybe they're impatient. They got tired of waiting. And so they walked away. Um, so we ended on a real chipper note. That's it. That's what I got for you tonight. Has God told you something? Did you believe him? And are you still waiting? Do you need to keep waiting? Um, do you need to not give up? Um, and like Alan and his wife in the story, maybe do you need to make something as a reminder? Do you need to take a picture of something? Do you need to, I don't know, do something that you can look at that is a reminder of this thing that God has told you. Because um, if he told you something, then if he promised something to you, then he will fulfill it. Um, there's a lot of stories of people waiting, and there's a lot of stories of those Things being fulfilled. Um, there's people in this room who have experienced both of those. Um, sometimes simultaneously. Um, so yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna go into a time of communion now, but we're gonna have a, a some prayer time here in a little bit where we can talk to God about these things, about these three questions. So kind of finishing up on the story in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Another child was born of a promise to save the world later on. He died on a cross to be the pure sacrifice for all the stuff we ever did. Um, that is also a covenant thing that is a sacrifice that was that was a, in, a transaction between God and us that gives us 
don't know, access to forgiveness. It gives us access to to the God of the universe, to his son, to the Holy Spirit, um, to the forgiveness of our sins, to the release of our shame. So we take communion to remember the promise that God gave that would reconcile us to him through his son, Jesus. Um, another way that we hear it's talked about is the new covenant. Um, the new covenant in his blood of when he died on the cross and his blood was poured out. Um, so yeah, so we take some bread as Jesus did the night before he died and we break it and you can come up, take the bread, break some off and it's the body of Christ broken for you. And then you dip it into the cup, which is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And you are remembering the covenant that God has made with you. Um, just as the picture of the barn is a way to remember what God had said to Alan and his wife, that's why we do communion, to remember that covenant that God made with us. Um, there's gluten-free crackers in each of the bowls. Um, so yeah, Tyler's going to play some more songs and you can come as you're led. There will be people at the front and in the back here to serve communion to you. Um, I will pray for us real quick and then we will enter in to this time of communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you for establishing covenants with us. A binding agreement that says you will do what you said you were going to do. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to Abraham and Sarah. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness in sending your son to hang out with us, but then also to be a sacrifice for us. Yeah, God, I just thank you for the immeasurable ways that you... reach towards us and try to get us closer to you. Amen.